Hello and welcome to Around the Outside, the podcast for the Formula One fanatic with me, Jake Peach and Chris Moss. Thank you for stopping by and listening to the podcast. Don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you'll never miss a new episode. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search Around the Outside podcast on Facebook and we're at ATO podcast underscore on Twitter and Instagram. In this episode, we're having a look at the latest news in the world of Formula One and taking a look at what happened in the Spanish Grand Prix two weeks ago. And we'll also have a look at the crown jewel of F1 in Monaco this weekend. But first of all, Chris, let's take a look at the latest news in the world of Formula One. So there's been a little bit of news uh, in the last couple of weeks since we uh, last spoke to you. Obviously, the biggest controversy uh, since the Spanish Grand Prix is over them flexing wings that the Mercedes team are complaining about, um, mainly on the Red Bulls. Uh, And since then, uh, the FIA have said that they're going to look into it. They're going to potentially change um, some stuff uh, in time for the French Grand Prix. Um, Since then, however, we've had uh, the Thursday practice sessions where Ferrari have said that they're going to exploit the current loophole. And by doing so, they are looking very fast for this week's Monaco Grand Prix, aren't they, Jake? Yeah, everyone was so surprised when Leclerc and Sainz uh, both went top two in the second practice session uh, on the Thursday. Uh, I think a massive surprise because, of course, Ferrari have have basically um, had a well a an abysmal time in the last couple of seasons ever since that bit of controversy with their engine uh and the performance they've been trying to claw back and then this weekend as you say um it kind of makes sense now when you link the two there that ferrari are looking to exploit that that loophole with the flexible wings i saw the video a comparison of um red bull and the mercedes around catalonia uh in the last grand prix and you can quite clearly see the red ball going down the straight uh you can see that the the rear wing is basically as it's going along down the straight the drag is hitting the wing and it's pushing it down which in turn is actually reducing drag and making the red ball faster in a straight line whereas you see it on a mercedes car not not much is moving at all um but then red ball have argued there's a camera on the front wing of the mercedes uh, and that moves about quite a lot under the load uh, under braking into turn one i think was the biggest example so it's really swings and roundabouts and we're only into the fifth race this season uh, this weekend at monaco and uh, we're already seeing teams trying to find any loophole possible and of course we've seen out of aston martin already saying that um about the high rake and the lower rate cars so it's all been happening and uh, this is just three examples within five races. It's, it's pretty crazy. And uh, obviously, it's, you know, we're so early into the season, but so much has already gone to and fro in between the teams. Obviously, Mercedes are the kings of innovation. They've been the ones at the forefront making, you know, all the changes, the ones that are leading by example. And obviously last year's DAS system, which com- complete everybody completely off guard, which is now obviously outlawed for this season, do you feel that Red Bull have caught Mercedes napping by having these wings, which at the time of when the season started were legal? Um, do you feel like that's, you know, got them an advantage on the track? Obviously, it's given them a straight line advantage. But do you feel like, you know, for, obviously for a track like Monaco coming up where you're not going to be at top speeds, do you feel that that's going to benefit the Red Bull team over the Mercedes? Well, it very much seems so that, that, you know, they seem to have, uh, well, got away with it until Hamilton noticed it. I mean, Hamilton surely is busy enough going along until Jamal's an hour to not to not to be paying attention to anything else. But, um, yeah, seems to have picked that up and made this um, a claim that 
Red Bull are gaining six tenths of a second every lap. Was it round round Spain or something like that? Um, and I think the DAS system with Mercedes was a real obvious example, wasn't it, of bending the rules and gaining advantage. The DAS system would um, they would push their steering wheel in and it would uh, push the tyres out, if that's right, and create a more camber. Um, for the wheels, which then meant that the car could either turn in better into the into the corner, and then if they pulled the wheel towards them, the wheels would straighten up again, uh, and obviously would give them less camber, which means the it would be better down the straight. So they could change that as they were going around the lap. Um, so that was quite an obvious movement, but of course, when you got the aerodynamics of the Red Bull with these flexi wings, it was quite subtle. So it wasn't the most obvious innovation. So I think um, as well, that's that's why it might be a bit contentious as well. Not as clear cut as a DAS system because Mercedes came out quite clearly and said, we've come up with this. This is pretty fundamental. You can see it happening, um, you know, in action. The drivers are pulling the steering wheel, aren't they? Whereas with the, the aerodynamics, it's kind of built onto the car and it just naturally happens with sort of the forces being pushed onto the car with a drag and and uh, the airflow over the over the wings so yeah it's an interesting one i think um the fia are kind of scratching their heads how they didn't see this originally in the first place and um fair play to ferrari you know playing the system they found it out and uh, like any good f1 team if they see a team doing something very well they will try and copy it within a matter of uh matter of days and have it for the next grand prix and it seems like uh that's what ferrari have done exactly and obviously we're gonna we're gonna talk about another team in formula one uh, we're gonna go to mclaren now uh obviously they've got a one-off special livery for this monaco grand prix uh the golf livery Absolutely amazing. Uh, it's been obviously a long time since uh, we've seen that livery in motorsport. Um, but it's not all, it's not the only news McLaren have uh, brought out this week. Uh, they have announced Lando Norris has signed and committed his future to McLaren, I think, for a three-year deal. Uh, so, and you know, he's had a fantastic start to this season. You know, he's had a podium. The only other driver other than Bottas, Verstappen and Hamilton to be on that podium you know, and that's going to take a weight off of Lando's shoulders. Uh, you know, like I say, he's had a very strong start to the season. And to be fair, it's a contract very much well done. And with Daniel Ricciardo also joining the team, they've got a long-term contract as well. McLaren sort of settled, really, for coming up for the new regulations. They're, they're you know, put everything all there and uh, they're looking like, you know, they're ready for business. If we just look back to, you know, um, our episode with uh, Sarah, our uh, first guest episode, um, she's a McLaren super fan. She was telling us about what it's been like to follow McLaren. Uh, we chatted in that about, you know, the place that McLaren found themselves in when they went to the Honda engine and it just pushed back their performance so much. If you think of how far they've come since that moment uh, or the, you know a few seasons ago and where they are now it's not to be underestimated the work that's gone in um with the, with the team behind the scenes to get them back up basically to the top of the midfield even sometimes challenging for the podium um and, you know in in on merit as well uh so it's um it's it's not to be understated the amount of work they've done and Landon Norris has been a big part of that he's been there with the team in this sort of uh new upheaval of McLaren and uh, of course the team kind of want to pay him back for that and um, as Lando said in the week he's committed to McLaren thinks he can challenge for the championship in the next couple of seasons and as we all know with the new rules coming in next season um, it, it could all change and 
he thinks he's seen the effort of, of the team um, at the technology centre uh, and thinks that they've got a winning formula going forward because quite clearly he wouldn't have signed a deal otherwise. So, um, yeah, a very good deal all round. And Lando as well is probably, I would say, among, amongst one of the best drivers on the grid um, in terms of sort of garnering a, f- a good fan base and sort of brung uh, a new lease of life to Formula One and, and therefore McLaren as well, giving them a new kind of uh, audience to the team. So it's kind of that aspect of it as well. He's very good um, at the outreach kind of side as well as uh, doing doing the business on the track. Yeah, and obviously if people have heard from earlier episodes, me and Jacob have got a bet going on with uh, a certain chicken <laughs> chain. Uh, and obviously my, my, my eggs are firmly in the McLaren basket but we're going to go over to Jake's side of that um, and we're going to talk about Aston Martin because this week as well they've announced that the W Series driver and also of James Bond's stunt driver Jessica Hawkins has been given the role as an F1 driver ambassador for the Aston Martin F1 team uh, she finished 11th in the first season in 2019 uh, in which Jamie Chadwick uh, British driver won the championship Um and obviously this week, uh, not this week, uh, this season, the first race of their season uh, coincides with the British Grand Prix. Um, you know, and it's going to be nice to obviously have a, an ambassadorial role for her. Obviously, it'll be her home Grand Prix as well. The first Grand Prix of the W Series. It's, it's kind of all tied in very nicely for her and, and her new job role. Yeah, and I feel like your dog is very excited in the background about this news as well. Uh, your dog Lily. Um, if if people haven't have been listening to the podcast, sometimes have been paying close attention, you'll hear the the ringing of a collar of Lily, uh, which is Chris's dog. So uh, your your dog's a big fan. Yeah, and uh, if you ever hear a meow, then that would be Jake's cat. <laughs> very much so. Just covering that off there. Um, but yes, talk about Jessica. Um, yeah, W Series driver has as, as, as impressed a lot in the uh, seasons that she's been driving in a W Series. Um, and to have a stunt driving for, for James Bond, I'd be saying, that's pretty cool. And it obviously fits in with the whole Aston Martin brand very, very well. Very, very clever. Um, but I was a bit puzzled, really, to kind of see what the driver ambassador role means like we've seen obviously Jamie Chadwick is a development driver for Williams and that kind of has a bit more context to it she's going to be involved with the you know like the simulator stuff and some of the research and development programs but I feel like the the driver ambassador role and that as a title is, is a bit vague so I'd like to see a bit more what Jessica will be doing but clearly it's a good statement that um, another F1 team is supporting female talent and uh, striving ever closer to getting a, a female F1 driver on the grid so uh, it can only be a good thing and uh, we'll, we'll see probably more about this uh, come Silverstone as you say when we'll have the first W Series races uh, supporting Formula 1 in partnership for the very first time it's a, a very good move for both formulas and we're going to stay with the feel-good theme uh, we're going to go to Roman Grosjean obviously this weekend is the Indy 500 however he is going to be missing this race and the next one due to some safety concerns which you can understand with everything that happened to him last year but he did have some good news uh, last weekend obviously Indy GP race uh, he got his first pole position in IndyCar um, and then he got his first podium as well he comes second in the race uh, and it's his first podium since the 2015 Belgium GP when he was racing for Lotus. That's that's an incredible stat. Six years since he got it's incredible. But um, it's good to see that he's you know he's he's up there. He's doing really well. You know in his first rookie season for IndyCar, and uh, you know I feel we'd be quite happy with uh, how he's doing. 
Yeah, and those cars drive really differently to a Formula One car. Um, so he's adapted very, very fast. And of course, had that massive accident in Bahrain um, and all of what comes with that, of course. And um, probably the anxiety to jump straight back in the car. But um, typical racing drivers, they kind of put it behind them and then they um, go and do dangerous things again. Um, yeah, interesting that he's, he's, a, he's a basically only going to be racing on the road courses um on the road circuits or you know proper circuits layouts if you like for the IndyCar season and then um I, be- I believe um Pietro Fittipaldi is going to be um taking his place when they do the oval races so when it comes to Indy 500 um of course he's a bit worried that it might be a bit of an instant and possibly a bit too soon to take such a risk after uh, that crash in Bahrain um so yeah don't blame him but um it would be good to get some sighters in for for the rest of the season I guess when he uh, races on the road courses and of course we'll miss the next race in IndyCar because it'll be at Texas and um as I'm reliably informed Texas is a very scary oval race uh, as well the way that the corners are banked um, and it's many incidents happen there as well so probably wise thinking from Roman if I'm honest absolutely and of course we've, we've already mentioned it a few times in this episode already but on Sunday is of course a big day for motorsport we've got two of the biggest races known across the world obviously got mm. the Monaco Grand Prix in Formula One and obviously later in the day at the Indy 500 and obviously both of us, me and Jake, we wished all the drivers across in Monaco and in over the pond in the US, uh, obviously safe, safe racing. Um, but good luck to them all as well. Yeah, um, it's always great um, to have these two races together, but also not for us fans, because how the hell do we watch both together at the same time? If you remember as well, we, we were saying earlier before the podcast was recording, Chris, when we were talking about when Jensen Button sat in for Alonso because Alonso wanted to have a little dabble at the Indy 500 uh, and... Um, <laughs> Jensen Button said he would wee in his seat so it was nice and warm for him when he came back so uh, if you remember that moment that was uh, quite good to look back on but uh, yeah, really good to try and catch both, we can have possibly a dual screen, I don't know if they're going ahead at the same time exactly I, th- I think Monaco's first and then probably about an hour or so later is Indy, I think there you are then sure on the two very big races to look forward to this weekend uh, that is all the latest news in the world of f1 let's catch up uh, two weeks ago now uh, on the race in catalonia well two weeks ago we saw race four of the 2021 formula one calendar Another tight battle for the front between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, a race that was only decided by strategy from the Mercedes pit wall and the power of the undercut Mercedes doing what was what was labelled as a 2019 Hungary to Max and uh, calling the shots to get the victory to which Max looked like he had under control. A fascinating video that Formula One released actually uh, earlier in the week about that process of Mercedes behind the scenes uh, and Bono and James Vols and Toto all talking to each other about if they were going to pit um, and make that strategy work and gain the jump on Max with tyre life. Towards the end of the race, uh, they had to do it at a certain point. It was a very small window to do it. Just really cool hearing all of that. Uh, if you want to hear some of that, it's all on the socials, on F1 socials. And um, yeah, it was re- re- really interesting because um, we don't normally get that kind of insight into what what is said behind the scenes and we had the uh, FIA radio as well didn't we of Toto um, calling out Mazepin to get out of the way for blue flags so um, some nice additions with the team radio over that race as well 
yeah, it was it was good to see the new radios. Um, hopefully, they can continue throughout the season. Uh, be interesting to hear, you know, likes of what Toto says in, in the garage during during the race. Um, you know, and it's it's nice to hear the passion because Toto was obviously quite angry at Mazepin for holding up Lewis Hamilton. But at the same point, you want to see that fight. You know, Mercedes are a winning team, but you don't want to just see them just sitting on the pit wall and then celebrate. You want to hear the passion. You want to see them get involved. I think, you know, the Spanish Grand Prix definitely had that sort of side, especially with Toto, um, to to have that. But obviously, uh, you know, we, we made predictions for the Spanish Grand Prix. It wasn't, wasn't particularly good for either of us. We, I don't think we got any particularly right for that one. But there was a thrilling battle um, for the lead, uh, as we just said. Ferrari had a fantastic Grand Prix as well. Charles Leclerc battled admirably and stayed ahead of Valtteri Bottas for a good portion of that race. Uh, and he finished in a very tidy P4 yet again. His teammate also had a strong race. Uh, <clears throat> His teammate also had a strong race getting into the points. McLaren also having a good day in the office. Both drivers scoring points yet again. Interesting fact: they are still the only team to have drivers score points in every Grand Prix. How long do you reckon, Jake? They can keep this run going. Well, um, given Monaco is notorious for a few retirements because of the nature of the circuit being, um, well, it's it's you know it's very very risky. It's one of the toughest circuits on the calendar. It's it's the street circuit of all street circuits, and uh, the walls are very close. One tiny mistake, too much lock into a turn, locking up a wheel, um, and you lose the back end. You've had it. There's no. There's no runoff to save you. So um, if it's going to be a run ending, it's possibly going to be this weekend. But who knows? It could be uh, another double points finish for McLaren. And you find that quite amazing, don't you? Because, of course, you think Mercedes, Dominance, um, Bottas and Hamilton surely have finished both in the points. But, of course, George Russell and Bottas coming together in Imola put a, a stop to that. Uh, and then if you look at Red Bull, of course, Perez, um, this long been talked about that Perez hasn't been um able to um stay up the front um of course still score points but then had uh that um retirement didn't he in one of the earlier races so wasn't able to um score points along with max so uh yeah it's a very odd stat that one but i'm sure one mclaren will be very proud of all right that's the uh, roundup of the Grand Prix in Catalonia race 4 let's look ahead now to race 5 on the calendar of course the return to the monaco grand prix So this weekend, of course, we return to the Principality in uh, Monaco. Of course, a year away from the tightest of streets, we have a driver in Yuki Sonoda who's never raced around Monaco in his career. The highest of stakes in the championship, this Monaco Grand Prix, looks like it could give all the fans a race to remember. And, oh, Chris, it's so good to be back around these legendary streets, isn't it? We've raced around this circuit for uh, many, many decades in Formula 1 and, uh, of course, the series that predates even that in the 1930s they were racing around there so um, immense history this circuit has yeah absolutely you know it's, it's one of them marmite tracks for f1 fans a lot of fans love it a lot of fans hate it as you're if you're a driver it's going to be a fan favorite you know you love it you want to win on the streets of monaco most of the drivers obviously live in monaco as well so it's a, it's a home race you know and some of them are lucky enough that where they've got races in their own countries that it, they've got effectively a second home race um but yeah, it's great, great to be back. You know, Monaco is always the day on the calendar that you want to have a look at as to when it is. 
Um, and yeah, it's interesting, you know, we've got Yuki Sonoda, you know, throughout all the formulas he's raced, he's never yet raced around Monaco. You know, obviously last year when he was in F2, the race got cancelled. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting. You know, he's made quite a few mistakes so far this year in his rookie year. But, you know, Monaco are the one, it's, it's the race that separates the uh, the men from the boys. You know, and, you know, we, we had the fantastic race in 2014. Jules Bianchi getting that P9 for the uh, Mauritius team. You know, it's, it's races like that that you remember and you think, wow, that was incredible. And the way this season's gone so far, I very much think it's going to be a race like that. Well, if there's any circuit that um, can throw up a surprise result, it's definitely Monaco because uh, you get one safety car, uh, a couple of cars falling out of the race, high contenders. Uh, the grid can totally change in Monaco just for the nature of the circuit. So, uh, yeah, no, it'd be very, very exciting to see if that happens. Yeah, and obviously two years ago when we last raced in Monaco, emotions were very high in the paddock. We just had the passing of the legend that is Nicky Lauda, which saddened F1. But his legacy he left brought passion and life to the track for that Grand Prix. And what a thrilling encounter it was between this season's championship rivals for that race. A win for Lewis Hamilton, just a hold off Max Verstappen. And it was probably one of the best and most fitting send-offs that Formula 1 could give to a man of that quality. You know, he was a big catalyst in the racing of what we've seen so far in the past seven years of the hybrid era. You know, and... and in his own time racing as well, he, he had that fight in him, you know, with the battles between James Hunt, you know, and uh, that race very much epitomised what Nicky would have loved in Formula One. You know, two years on and the past four races have been so tight as well, you know, between Max and Lewis. Um, it, it looks like that, you know, Monaco could be very much a winner takes all between them. Can Max finally win in Monaco? You know, it, Red Bull are always very strong around this circuit due to their high aero package. Can Lewis take his fourth win of the season and his fourth win of Monaco? You know, Ayrton, the great king that he is around Monaco. Uh, can Lewis get one more on his mark? Or will we have a different name next on to the winners list to look back on the years to come, Jake? Well, I mean, um, touching on the Hamilton and Max thing, uh, the rivalry is kind of not hotting up, but it's getting a little bit more tense. Um, Hamilton saying uh, early in the press this week that he feels like Max has got something to prove. And Max just kind of batted that off the back and said, uh, no, that's fine. I'm just doing my thing here, trying to beat Lewis. And, um, you know, we've had some great battles so far um, and it's been great to race so close to each other. Um, apparently, Lewis also said that uh, Max has been close to taking the two of them out again. So there's a bit of ruffling of the feathers going on there. Um, but you, you can't really see the form that Lewis Hamilton is in at the moment. And um, we had Pastor Maldonado on the podcast last week. Um, and he was saying to us that the level that Hamilton is driving at, at the moment now, it's not about raw speed, uh, just that. It's about his maturity. He's, he's the way he sees the races and um, his racecraft is just impeccable. And um, Max, of course, we know is very, very fast and puts the best drivers under a lot of pressure. Um, but, it just it, it it really beggars belief really to see how Hamilton can really not win this one again. He's on a real roll, and uh, you know, and well, he's got to deal with the Ferraris of a surprise package this weekend. But if it does come down on on you know on the Saturday, if you're listening to this on qualifying, and 
you know, um, Mercedes and Max um, in, for Red Bull pull it out the bag and throw away those sort of Ferrari hopes, then um, I see Hamilton really just, again, asserting his dominance and doing what he does best, and that's winning races. Obviously, going back to what you were saying with the whole Max and Lewis uh, media debate that they've had, uh, somebody asked Sebastian Vettel if uh, he could give any advice to Max Verstappen and uh, how to beat Lewis, to which Sebastian Vettel, hats off to him, great response he said, um, i never beaten Lewis, so there's no point in me giving him any advice. A very, very great comment from Seb. It's nice to see that he's, you know, he's not having the greatest of seasons, but you know what? He seems happy. He seems happy. He seems free. He seems like he's able to be at one with himself again. You know, he's got that wit, which he he didn't particularly have in these later years in the Ferrari car. No, it's nice to see that character come back uh, for Vettel. But uh, yeah, a talk if we're touching on Aston Martin there quickly. Um, what a torrid start to the season for them, um, of course, Um that they've been saying about this, that we were saying earlier in the podcast, the the rake of the cars, the the, the new rules that have adjusted for for this season in in twenty twenty one have really harmed the uh, aerodynamics of the Aston Martin car. Um, but Mercedes, uh, they run a Mercedes power engine, and we know last season they were uh, accused of basically copying the Mercedes for the previous season. So, but Mercedes have managed to obviously turn it around this season for themselves so there shouldn't really be any excuses when it comes to that so um, you don't know if they really have much of a case there um, with the um, changing the rules was specifically designed to hurt Aston Martin Um, it's quite a claim but um, they'll be looking to try and um, probably still scratch their heads and and get back to winning ways um, or not winning ways well, they've obviously come off the back of the Perez victory, but look to be up uh, in the podium places and challenging again where they were last season. So, yeah, as you, as you say, it's not been the greatest of starts, Jake, for Aston Martin, but how do you think their prospects for this uh, weekend's Monaco Grand Prix are? Well, I mean, it, it's not. it was more of a car that was good for straight-line speed, wasn't it? Last season, um, it's been pretty difficult to kind of judge the performance of this car. Um, and, you know, you've got many teams ahead of them performing quite well. Uh, Alpine, Ferrari, McLaren, um, uh, Lando Norris has been having uh, really strong practice sessions uh, on the Thursday. In this in this week's race um, weekend, so um, it's hard to see how Aston Martin can really do much. If I'm honest, at the moment, unless they pull um, a rabbit out of the hat, um, but it's unlikely. I think. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I think you know if they can get some points on the board, I think that would be a good race result for them. Um, obviously, ne- next week or in a couple, yeah, it'll be great. And obviously, we've got a couple of big strong. Uh, power tracks coming up with Paul Ricard and obviously in Azerbaijan as well um so hopefully I think you know if they can get some points here in Monaco it'll be it'll give them good stead for the next couple of races lined up but uh who who obviously we're going to go into our predictions now who do you think is um going to be the fastest in qualifying on Saturday this is really tough to call because um you, you obviously you you see um Max and the Red Bull and and Naturally, you would think, of course, with their really strong chassis, the great aerodynamics that Rebel cars always had, um, that the Rebel will come out on top with Max being on pole. However, before you type it onto our script um, for for next week, uh, I... 
with Ferrari in play, like it's really unpredictable. Um, whether it was just a, um, a surprise showing, and whether Mercedes and Red Bull were running quite high fuel, um, the the Ferrari set those times on the softest compound tire as well. Um, albeit though, everyone else was on the soft compound tire in that in that second practice session. Um, basically, I'm going around in circles because it's really hard to call. So it's hard to judge. I think with Ferrari coming out of nowhere, what their kind of long form pace is and whether it's genuine. Um, so I think, um, I think it's going to be Hamilton. I, I think, I just think Leclerc could give him Max, both of them a run for their money because Leclerc knows the streets of Monaco very well. He's a Monegasque uh, himself. So uh, you never know. We'll see. Um, what's your prediction for Paul, Chris? I, I guess a bit of confusion for you as well. It's not going to take me 78 laps to think of an answer, though. <laughs> you um, cheeky sod. <laughs> uh, I, I think, again, it's going to be quite close. I think Max and Lewis, are they're, they're streets ahead of everyone else. Um, Ferrari definitely had a great show in, in Thursday's practice sessions, but I don't know whether they're going to have that killer instinct to get the pole uh, on Saturday it'll be interesting to see what the Saturday practice session delivers um, I think Max though I think Max is going to get pole uh, just because the Rebel is just so so good around the streets of Monaco you know it always has been you know Ricardo's in his Red Bull days absolutely phenomenal around there even Max you know 2019 that little coming together with Hamilton coming down to the uh, chicane and you know, it is very much a nip and tuck Grand Prix that week, but I'm going to stick Max on on for pole position. Ooh, okay, interesting. Right, nice bit of differentiation between us two. Um, also, just to mention on the qualifying as well, anything can happen in Monaco because obviously it's it's a very congested short track, very narrow, not a lot of space for cars to give way to each other, and people on flying laps, people will be on cool down laps when someone else is trying to go for a fast lap. Um, so that's all to play for. But again, there could be some strategy at play. We could see um, people trying to get through on the harder medium compound um and th- thinking about the race a little bit more so anything could happen there um you're about to ask me who you, i think is going to win the race aren't you i'm indeed going to ask you who's going to win the race i mean mm. we might take another 78 laps here to decide <laughs> that um well, i'll try and be a bit more uh affirmative with this answer um i can't see hamilton not winning really if i'm honest so it's going to have to be hamilton um Who's going to fight him for second place? Second place, I think. It's really hard to call a podium at Monaco. I'm I'm sorry, really difficult. But if we see a repeat of 2019, um, of course, Max on uh, on the second step of the podium, I think. And are you going to chuck in a surprise for third place this week? Yeah, well, of course, we know it's notoriously quite difficult to pass around Monaco. Um, if Ferrari are qualifying in third, we would expect them possibly to be finishing on the podium if they can convert that there. However, I don't think, for whatever reason, I don't think it's going to happen. I think I agree with you on the whole, um, you know, on the pace, it could be um, not very genuine. Uh, and I think strong McLaren performance, if a couple of cars drop out and there's a bit of controversy in in the field and strategies at play, Norris has been very strong. So I'm going to go for Norris uh, going for third. And it's quite bold, but um, I'm confident in my choice. Uh, I think I think 
Max is going to get the race win this week. I just, it, it, it's, it's a race he wants. He, he was so close two years ago to get in the race. And, you know, we saw last time when Red Bull were very close to winning a Grand Prix in Monaco the year after they then won it. So I'm going to go Max getting redemption from 2019. Uh, just 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 out of out of interest what particularly tilts that for you over hamilton particularly this year i think for this year max is just way more aggressive mm. Mm. max i think if max is going to be on pole which is what my prediction is he's going to go into first into turn one there there ain't going to be no fighting about it he will be first into turn one and if that's the case monaco is notorious for difficult overtaking I think Lewis will quite happily settle for second if you know he's going to get points on on the board. I think honestly, for championship wise, that will probably be the smartest thing, unless Max makes a mistake. And Max hasn't made any that that well, not many anyway that this season. So for that reason, I'm going to stick Max on for the win. Yeah, you could only say the only mistake Max has made is when we were in Portimao and he got a bit wriggly out of the final corner, which then Hamilton passed him for that. But that we're talking minimal things. He's not. We crashed anything so yeah um second place i'm gonna stick it on hamilton just for the fact that i think hamilton's gonna play it safe you know monaco is all about risk and being very much a, a gambling principality with the massive casino at the top i think hamilton's gonna play it safe get points on the board keep his championship lead and then I'm not going to go for a, a, a Verham bot. I'm going to stick this little fact in there before I, I say my third place. But Charles Leclerc's never finished a race in Monaco. Eh? What? F2 crashed in both races. F2 crashed in both races in 2016. He had that brake failure and crashed into the back of Brendan Hartley in the Alfa Romeo. And then obviously in 2019, he had a poor qualifying and crashed out. What? That's, in 2019. That's, with, that's a crazy stat. I didn't know that. Yeah, and you wouldn't think it, would you? No, not at all. And so I'm going to say he's going to put an end to his bad run in Monaco and I'm going to give him third. Oh, interesting. All right. So you think Max, Ham and Lek. Max, Ham, Lek. For that Ham sounds Lek. quite good. For Ham, Lek. <laughs> sounds, oh, like, yes, it sounds for, like the Heimlich maneuver, but you're having a bit of a choke <laughs> beforehand. Having <laughs> a bit of a struggle. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a very interesting podium. So, um, all right. So I think Hamilton's going to get pole, the win. Uh, Max second, Norris third. Chris believes that Max is going to convert his pole position into a win with Hamilton uh, in second. And Leclerc rounding up the podium in third place um what are your predictions let us know if you're listening to this podcast um were we right if you're listening to this after the race um it'll be interesting to know but leave your predictions with us on our socials we're at around the outside podcast on facebook and uh, at ato podcast underscore on twitter and instagram right i think that about covers everything for this week doesn't it chris uh let me just ask lily lily are you gonna add anything else uh, to the podcast tonight <laughs> No, I think we're good, Jake. And she's not going to charge around in excitement for a Hamilton win? No, she's, no. she's already done that six times tonight. <laughs> Maybe Lily could be like the equivalent of the octopus that predicted the World Cup results. Do you remember? When I'll chuck her two tennis balls and see which one she goes for. Yeah, one with Hamilton's face on it and one with Verstappen's face on it. <laughs>
she'll probably just sit there and wait. <laughs> um, well, yes, more pet antics next time here on Around the Outside podcast and hopefully some uh, half-knowledgeable uh, chat as well about Formula 1 and our predictions for the races. Um, enjoy the crown jewel on the F1 Kanda in Monaco in the Principality this weekend. We're certainly going to enjoy the race. Uh, we'll see you next time here on Around the Outside. Take care. See you later. Thank you.